taken me through, I will never go back. Amen. I believe every one of us, we've got the testimonies of how he undertook for us on the journey, and that is why we just want to glorify him. Hallelujah. So it's good to see you uh, again, and again, I understand on Sunday, you had a great feast. Amen. And you continue to wear, Brother Mutlavi left off, uh, God's, uh, with God's conditions, uh, standards, and expectations. Amen. I think it's, a, it's just a lovely series. I think his own conditions, he has come and spoken about expectations. Hallelujah. Maybe he has got to come and speak on standard. Amen. But it's, it's a, we really appreciate for Brother Mutlavi to stand in the gap. Amen. Now, without waste of time, let us turn to Acts, the book of Acts. Let's, see. Let's read in the book of Acts. Chapter 2, verse 14, and verse 18. Amen. That's uh, the book of Acts 2, from verse 14 until verse 18. If you found it, it reads in this manner. Amen. It says, But Peter... Standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea, and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you and hearken to my words. Don't you just love the conviction in the statement? Amen. For these are not drunken as ye suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Jewel, and it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams, and on my servants and on my handmaidens I will pour out in those days of my spirit and they shall prophesy. I'll show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness, the moon into blood, before that great and notable day of the Lord come. 
It shall come to pass that whoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen. Now, let's just bow our heads. Gracious Heavenly Father, we are very much thankful to be living in this hour. People may say, what a terrible time. But the bride says, what a glorious time. That's why, as one man said, it was the great, it was the worst of times. But yet it was the great of times, depending on which side of the fence you are standing. And this evening we are very glad to stand on the side of Michael. This evening we are very much glad to stand on the side of the revealed word of the hour. This evening we are very much glad to stand on the side of Malachi 4. This evening we are very much glad to stand on the side of the revelation of the hour. And that is why on this side you are with us. And if God is with us, who can be against us? This evening I'm very much thankful to serve the only almighty God that I know who created the universe. And Lord, in this evening, we want you to move from seat to seat and minister to your saints, your children in dear God. If they are sick, may you heal them. If they are heartbroken, may you mend their hearts, dear God. But I'm very much comfortable to know that there is nothing that you can do this evening. All things are possible to them that believe. And this evening, we believe. And because we believe, we know you shall act upon what we believe in. Because I believe there is nothing that is too hard for you. And as we commit to the reading of the way to you, may the Holy Spirit take over. Over this service, may it be your service, dear God. May you glorify yourself, may you manifest yourself that when we come to the end of the service, we as mortals can look up to you and say, it was God on the move. And that is why this evening I say, may you put me aside and let it be you that you will minister to your children, dear God. Shut down my intelligence as we commit everybody here to you in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. While you take your seats. Amen. So, we understand, as it was announced, amen, my monitor just went, okay, it's back. As it was announced on Sunday that uh, uh, Brother uh, Michael Malaka has passed away, amen, and then just rally around the family through your prayers, message of encouragement, it means so much. Amen. And those that know, we know that uh, Brother Malaka was one of the uh, pioneers of the message in this area. Amen. And we just want to say, uh, God may, may God undertake for the family. Hallelujah. It's not an easy thing to lose the father, but uh, he said, I will become a father to the fatherless. Amen. Uh, And then he he was very special, uh, very close to my heart because I have known him for for quite some time. He's one of the first people that came to me and said, 
Brother Madiba, would you mind to come to Wheatbank and pastor us? Amen. So he's got a, a very special place in my heart. Amen. And for some reason, I thought, uh, for those that don't know, I, I love poetry. Uh, sometimes in my spare time, I, I get into poetry, read poetry, write here and there. Amen. But there is a poem. It is not written by me. Uh, somebody wrote it, and I'll indicate the name of the person when it comes to the end. And uh, I just, when I heard about the departure of Brother Malaka, I thought of this poem. The title of the poem is Daddy. You're the one, the only one we ever had. You're going, <clears throat> your going has made us sad. There within our heart, this ache for no one else your place can take. We never wanted you to go, for you see, we love you so. But as the reason, but as the reason could not be, we accept the inevitability that the Lord took you away to another shore, a brighter day, where you can rest and be at peace and all your sorrow come to cease. By us all, you'll be missed. We have your memories to reminisce. We also have great hope within that we shall see your face again. United on that shore, we'll be with Jesus for all eternity. And as we wait for that coming day, we take this moment again to say, our love for you, no bounds can tell. And with you, we know it first now well, until again we all are near. We love you, daddy, daddy dear. It was written by Sister Winnie Andre. Amen. Dedicating it to her father, so I thought I should read it. Amen. Hope you recognize it, Brother Philip. Amen. Isn't it a beautiful poem? Amen. How many artistic people do we have here this evening? Okay. There's one musician there. Any artistic, Sister Lorraine? Another one? Artistic? Okay. Ntokozo? Any other one? Amen. All right. If you have never lived with an artistic person, you don't know the joy of living with a person. Amen. Sometime <clears throat> they can be there but not be there. Hallelujah. And just drift off in their creative world. Amen. So Sister Winnie is one of the uh, people that are creative. Amen. So just support the family. Uh, Friday we are starting there at 8 o'clock just for the memorial service. And then Sunday, Saturday we'll start at 7 o'clock. Amen. Those are the timelines. God bless you. Amen. Now, without waste of time, let me go to the reading of the weight as we have just read here. Maybe if you can flash, we are going to be, be reading a few scriptures. If you can just uh, flash Numbers 23, verse 19. Numbers 23, verse 19. 
Ah, God bless you, Sister Lebo. Amen. God has really dealt you in a very kind way. Amen. It's good to see you back in church. She was in ICU, but God's healing power touched her, and now she's in church. Amen. So it, it really helps for believers to pray for one another. Amen. And I see Brother Lassimo wasn't feeling well. He checked into the hospital, but checked out. It's good to see him in church as well. Amen. And we just want to thank God for what he's doing in the lives of believers. The scripture says, Numbers 23, verse 19, God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath he said, and, and shall he not do it? Or hath he spoken, and shall he not make it good? Amen. Simplest means, whatever he has spoken, he shall do it. Amen. Now, my, the title of my message, I'm just going to extract a phrase from Acts 2 verse 14, or rather verse 16, and it's a very simple text. It simply says, this is that. Uh, hallelujah. This is that. Hallelujah. Amen. And then just a, a background check. The scripture that we have read here, it was a fulfillment of what Joel had written off or spoken of when the Holy Spirit came and, he, and they were filled with the Holy Ghost. Do you still believe in the baptism of the Holy Ghost? Do you still believe in the baptism of the Holy Ghost? Hallelujah. It is still one of the most critical stage stages of the redemption, redemptive process. Amen. Now, after they were filled with the Holy Ghost, they came out and they were preached the gospel. And the Bible says every man had them in their own languages. If you were a Greek, you had them in Greek. If you were a Hebrew, you had them in Hebrew. If you were a Gentile, you had them in your own language. And while they were uh, some, the predestinated city was there, amazed to see God on the move, but now we capture something because some people said, for this, people are drunk. Hallelujah. And then when, when, when uh, Peter heard about it, then he came. I think the sermon in the book of Acts is one of the great sermons in the history. Hallelujah. And Peter, standing up with eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea, and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you, hearken to my ways. For these are not drunken as ye suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Jewel. So he was bringing them to a realization that uh, these men are not drunk, but there is a prophecy that was spoken and the reason you see them behaving this way is because we are caught up right in the midst of a fulfillment of a prophecy. Are we together? Now, there's always a gap between this statement. This is that. Hallelujah. The reason there is that gap is because first a prophecy is spoken. 
And it takes a, a certain time before a prophecy could come to a fulfillment. The most dangerous time is between a prophecy and a fulfillment of a prophecy. That's when the devil takes chances. Hallelujah. Brother Brandon says before the Messiah could come, there were a lot of impersonations that came. There's always between a prophecy and a fulfillment of a prophecy, you find impersonations. That by the time when the prophecy, the full, the, the, the prophecy becomes fulfilled, pe- people's spiritual senses have become numb and they become unresponsive to the fulfillment of the prophecy. Hallelujah. Are you here this evening? And that is why I always say, if the Spirit makes a prophecy, that means for you to catch the fulfillment of the prophecy, the Spirit that made the prophecy must find a dwelling place in you. Hallelujah. What I'm simply saying is that if it was spoken by the Spirit, it has to be interpreted by the Spirit. Hallelujah. How many of you still believe that God is, is his own interpreter of his own weight? Hallelujah. How many still believe that every man's weight must be a lie? Hallelujah. That's, that means, and, and we are going to get into these things here. Now, just to dissect what a prophecy is. A lot of times we think a prophecy is something, it's about foretelling something that will happen in the future. Hallelujah. That is partly true, but that is not a com- that is not the complete definition of or description of what a prophecy is. Because when you look, you could speak for something like when Isaiah said, "A vision shall conceive." It was something that was spoken that was going to happen in the future. People had to wait until it is fulfilled. But a prophecy can as well go backwards. And look what happened in history, for a lack of a better word. Because when you read, when, when you look at Moses, Moses was not there when heavens and earth were created. But because he was a prophet, he was able to go back and document how the creation came into being. Hallelujah. So, I, 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 am I with you now? So a prophecy can look into the future, and a prophecy can look back into the, fu- into the past. Hallelujah. That's why a prophet can see in the future and can see in the past and can as well see what is happening in current moments. How many times the people came on the podium and Brother Brandon would say, Ma'am, you're not here for yourself. I see in the hospital there is a man sleeping on a bed. And I see that there are doctors that are taking over the condition of the man. He is about to be operated. I'm simply saying sometime a prophecy has got no respect for time element. Hallelujah. Because it takes place from a certain dimension where time is not a factor. Are we together? And when people came to see Brother Brandon, a lot of times he would say, look, I see you, because when he would get into people's lives and say, 30, I see you 20, around the age of 20, and I see this is what happened in your life, and this is what happened, maybe this is what we need to fix. 
but he gets into the people's lives and go back. And he often says, when I see those things, I, I see them in current times. Are you still together? Amen. That's why there is one, and I think it is in the message, uh, total separation from unbelief. He says, there's a brother that was baptized. And after he was baptized, he came into the message, worshipped, and later he had a problem and went to the prophet for a private interview. And the prophet looked at him and said, look, when you were in Catholic there is something that you did there when you were still an altar boy. And that thing has left a mark on your life. And you need to make it right. And I wonder, and that's why, folks, to be a message believer is it's 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 a great it's a great calling. Can you say amen to that? Amen. To be a message believer, it's a great calling. Because this man had he had repented, he had been baptized. He was fellowshipping with believers, but the prophet comes and shows him something that he did before he was baptized. And I said, goodness, this thing that this brother did, was that his repentance not enough? Was the baptism not enough? But I realized that if you are a believer, do you know that if you steal somebody's thing, if you are a believer, you repent, you don't just kneel down in your room and it's a done deal. You've got to take it Look for the person that you stole it from and say, say, I stole this on such and such day and I'm here to return back because there is a law of restitution. Can I get an amen on that one? So that's why being a message, but, but the, that's why the prophet would go into that man's life and point it out. Amen. I was just giving you an example of how a prophecy operates. Now, when a prophecy has been declared and it's out there spoken believers have heard it there, the prophet speaks about the three must that must happen before the fulfillment of the prophecy or before I get to the must the best fulfillment of a prophecy or the best interpretation of a prophecy it is a fulfillment of a prophecy. I'll repeat so that it can sink in. The best interpretation of a prophecy is the fulfillment of a prophecy. If Isaiah says, behold, a vision shall conceive, how do we interpret that one? How do you dissect that uh, prophecy? The only thing that you can do is to wait for the prophecy to come to the fulfillment and after it is fulfilled, then you can say, this is that. That which was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. So that means a prophecy must be spoken. And later an event must happen. And somebody must be able to take an event and link it to what was spoken in the past and say, this is that. Are you here, believers? Maybe... So that you get what I speak about, let's we are going to flesh some scriptures here. Matthew chapter one, verse twenty-one. How, how many hate private interpretations? How many hate private interpretations? 
Me personally, I hate private interpretations. And let me say this to you believers. And even message believers are becoming guilty of that. The, if you go and come and say, we have found the skeleton of Goliath. And this is what we want to present to show you that Goliath once lived. For me, I don't need the skeleton of Goliath to believe that what is in the Bible is the truth. Hello? Because later after you have found the skeleton of, of Goliath, there's going to be a debate as whether did you find it close to where Goliath was killed? Or did you find it where the, there is no way the skeleton could have reached? I'm simply saying, do not be disparate to prove what's already vindicated. I'll repeat that. Do not be disparate to prove what is already vindicated. When you attempt to prove what is already vindicated, you become disparate. And when you become disparate, you make what you believe in questionable. Hallelujah. The, I'm preaching behind you the wood here. And as you are looking, the pulpit is the wood. But if I can start saying, you see, this pulpit is the wood, and the wood was taken from such and such place, and I start explaining, you are beginning to worry and say, is really the wood? Are we together? I hope I, I, make, a, I make sense there. But let's come to this one. Because, I mean, even if it's a father, if you can have a child, and once a week you call your child aside and say, do you know that I'm, a, I'm your real father? The child will say, yes, of course, I believe that you are my real father. Next week you call, say, before on your way to school, you say, but boy, do you really believe I'm your father? The boy will start saying, maybe there is more to what meets the eye. And it will quietly go to mommy and say, mommy, are you sure that daddy is really my daddy? Because why? You are trying to prove what was already being accepted. Are we together? I'm simply saying, I cannot, I'm, I do not want to attempt to prove that the message is the truth. God vindicated that this message is the truth. And if you need evidence that this message is the truth, I can provide the evidence. I'm the evidence because I was once a sinner. And by God's amazing grace, I'm no longer a sinner. God has taken away the desire to sing. And the only thing that can do that is the message of the hour. And to me, that effect shows that the message is the truth. Amen. And that's why, even as much as I made an example uh, of a father, if I come every Sunday and say, do you know that I'm really your pastor? And the other Sunday, do you know really that I'm your pastor? You'll begin to doubt and say, but is he really a pastor? I'm saying, don't try to prove what is already vindicated. Now, in the scripture... Look, Matthew, and I said it the other time, I said the book of Matthew, when Matthew wrote his book, or the gospel of Matthew, when it was written, the, the thought that dominated Matthew's mind, it was the Jews. He wanted to convince the Jews that Jesus was the Messiah. Yes. And, and, and you can see that 
The way Matthew wrote his gospel differs from the way that Mark wrote the gospel because when Mark wrote the gospel, he had the Romans in his mind. That is why when Matthew speaks about Messiah, before he can say anything, he traces his, his lineage and shows you that he comes from the lineage of David to demonstrate to the Jews that this is the Messiah. But when Mark comes, he says, when he speaks about the Messiah, he speaks about him, about him becoming a servant. You understand? God will always meet you according to the level of your thoughts. I'll repeat that so that you can sink in. If David was a shepherd, God, the only way that David, God could communicate with David, it was through nature. Are you here? But let's come to this. Matthew says, in Matthew 1, verse 21, And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. The reason you call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now, all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet saying, Behold, a vision shall, co- a vision shall, shall be with child and shall bring forth a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which, means, which is being interpreted is God with us. Hallelujah. Go back there. So, you can see Matthew is looking at an event. He is looking at an event unfolding. And he traces this event, he documents it, and he, he goes and contrasts the current event with something that happened in the past and say, this happened so that the words of Isaiah could be fulfilled. Are we together? He is linking a fulfillment with a prophecy. Are we together? You cannot know the fulfillment until you know a prophecy. You've got to be versed about the prophecy. And when the prophecy happens, it must be exactly to the dot. Are you here? We don't operate on 99.9 margin error in the Lord. Either it's 100%, if there is 0, 0, 0.01% error, the entire thing is rejected. Because in that 0.01, there might be death in that. We do not want almost, it, it is almost the truth. Maybe I'd much better say this in church. Brother, is it brother, leave it comes to Brother Brenham and say, Brother Brenham, I think I've got a gift of discernment. And Brother Brenham says, how accurate is the gift? He says, run about 99%. He says, Brother Level, if it's 99%, leave it alone. Because why? The devil will come with that 1% and drain 99%. Are you here, believers? We are not disparate for gifts here, but we are disparate for the accuracy of the word. I will repeat that. We are not disparate for gifts, but we are disparate for the accuracy of the word because gifts and callings are without 
without repentance. You, and for some reason, believers are easily taken by this discernment. I come from my house. Before I was at my house, I was somewhere else. And where I was, I was in Middleburg. And I went to my house. And I moved, I spoke to my wife a few things, and I came to church. Listen to me. Do you know that the devil saw me? When I was in Middleburg, the devil saw me. To the devil, it's not a secret that I was there. Hello? To the devil, it's not a secret that I was in my house. To the devil, it's not a secret what I spoke to my wife. So if somebody comes and say, you were in Middleburg, and you moved from Middleburg, you went to your house and spoke to your wife, and you came to church, what does it prove? What the, believers, are you here? What does it prove? Nothing. But a lot of times, if a man can come and try that, believers will be saying, goodness, wow, no, 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 no. Let me say this. What attracts us as the bride is that in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God and the word was God and the word was made flesh. And I'm interested to see the word becoming flesh in this flesh in the end time. Gifts and callings are without repentance. Beyonce sometimes sings better than believers. And that talent, she got it from the almighty God. Hallelujah. But it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a gift that has been used in a perverted way. Hallelujah. But she doesn't use it for the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. But it is a gift. So, how are you going to be mesmerized by the gift of Beyonce? That's why we believers, before we can benefit from the gift, we check whether the gift is in line with an anointing of the hour. If the gift is great, if the gift looks accurate, or seems accurate, or seems exciting, but it does not line up with the anointing of the hour, we reject it. I'll repeat, we reject it. I hope you're with me here. Amen. Okay, let's read Matthew 2, verse 14. Matthew 2, verse 14. Then there it is. We can read it in the screen. When he arose and took the young child and his mother by night and departed into Egypt, this after Herod wanted to kill the boy, and was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, out of Egypt have I called my son. Do you see Matthew looks at events but links the events with what happened in the past and say, this happens. And the reason this happens is because the prophet said so. And this evening I want to ask you a question, you believers. And that's why you can never be a diligent believer until you read. 
the books of the prophet. The Bible says Daniel read the books of Jeremiah. And when he read the spoken words of Jeremiah, he knew the time in which he was living in. So for you to understand the time that we are living in, read the books of William Brenham. And certain events when they take place, you will be able to say, this happens because the prophet spoke about it. That's why we believers are never shocked by anything. Do you get what, where I'm going? Matthew 2, 16. Let's go to 16. It says, Then Herod, when he saw that he was mocked of the wise men, and was exceeding wrath, and sent forth, and slew all the children that were in Bethlehem, and in all the coasts thereof, from two years old and under, according to the time which he had diligently inquired of the wise men. Amen. 17. Then, hallelujah, he's looking at an event. Then he said, then was fulfilled that which was spoken by Jeremiah, the prophet, saying, in Rama was there a voice heard, lamentation and weeping and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and would not be comforted because they are not. And when Herod was dead, let's leave it there. But I'm simply saying, he doesn't look at a prophecy and run with a prophecy and speculate on a prophecy and think what it might have meant. He's waiting for the fulfillment. And when he looks at the fulfillment, he looks at the prophecy and the fulfillment of the prophecy must dovetail. Are you here, believers? But the danger is that once the prophecy has been spoken, while we are waiting for fulfillment, the devil comes with speculations. And speculations makes it a stumbling block that by the time the, fulfill, the prophecy is fulfilled, people look and say, we have seen it before because when you look at Nathaniel, Nathaniel was despondent. When Philip came to him, it seemed like he had a seen, Brother Bram says actually, he had seen a lot of impersonations. And he had withdrawn himself to the fact that I'm not going to participate anymore. I'm not going to go around anymore. But right there, Philip comes to him and says, Nathaniel, we have found him. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. He doesn't come to Nathaniel and say, look, we have seen another man, he's tall. We have seen another man, he speaks better. No, he says, we have found him. And after he says, we have found him, Nathaniel obviously is becoming skeptical. He says, no, 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 no. We have seen this before. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? But Philip says, come and see. Hallelujah. Come and see. Because when a prophecy is fulfilled, it will speak for itself. I don't have time, Philip, to debate. I cannot follow his heart. I'm not interested. But come and see. You know what Philip wanted Nathaniel to experience? The effect 
of his presence. He wanted to him to come into his presence because it was no longer now a literature. Now the scripture was on two feet. Now the scripture had characteristics in a human form. And when Nathaniel came and Jesus looked at him and said, Behold! Behold! He didn't I've attended fellowship after fellowship. They had quotation after quotation after quotation, and we left her there with nothing. But in five minutes, when he looked at Nathaniel, he did not look at Nathaniel based on where Nathaniel was physically. He went through to where Nathaniel was in eternity. And such then said, Behold. I think he used a special tone. Behold. An Israelite in whom there is no guile. That's when I said, Where do you know me from? Says before Philip called you under the tree. I saw you. And Nathaniel says, Thou art the son of the living God. A prophecy was now fulfilled. No debate. Are you here, folks? That's why I'm not going to get into debate to prove whether Brother Brennan was a true prophet. I remember when I was a young boy at the age of 14, 13, when I came into the message, I was excited telling my friends that God sent the prophet and it was weird when my peers couldn't understand what are you talking about and I said look you know what is happening this prophet spoke that Los Angeles is going to sink into Pacific Ocean this was a great prophet and they say but there are no prophets isn't it a false prophet the next day Los Angeles was hit by an earthquake a major earthquake then you should have seen me being looking forward to go to school and say, you remember yesterday what I said about him. Look what is happening. And now they were captivated because now I was moving them from a prophecy. I was showing them a fulfillment and that had an effect. It was not just a theory, but it was now something that was taking place. They could see it, but it depended whether they were predestinated. Are you still with me, folks? Let's read Matthew 27, verse 35. Yes, I've got it there, Brother Joseph. Matthew 27, verse 35. There's somewhere where I'm going. Stay with me. It says, and he cast down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed and went and hanged himself. And the chief priest took the silver pieces and said, It is not lawful, lawful for to put them into the treasury because it is the price of blood. And they took counsel and brought, bought with them the potter's field to bury strangers in, 
Wherefore that field was called the field of blood unto this day. Then. I just love then. Modern events made clear by prophecy. Then. Was fulfilled that which was spoken by Jeremy, the prophet, saying, And they took the thirty pieces of silver, the price of him that was valued, whom they of the children of Israel did value. Can you see that Matthew was studious? He knew the Old Testament, but not by letter. He was very discerning as to what the events were taking place, and he could come day and say the reason that happens is because of this that was spoken. But he was not speculative. That's why he says, then. He's not saying that, I think, I feel, I think. No, 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 no. He's very precise. He knows what he's talking about. He knows when the full the prophecy is taking place. Are we together? Amen. And while I edit, I had much better say this to you. William Brenham, William Brenham was the true vindicated prophet in this day and age. There shall never be another one like him. This message came in order to close the chapter of humanity. This is the last lap of the race, spiritually speaking. Once the message is done, it's taken back to the land of Israel and the bride will be raptured. And I want to say, everything that William Branham ever spoke shall be fulfilled to the latter. When Brother Branham came and started his ministry and started preaching and praying for the sick, listen to the words of, of Bosworth, Brother Bosworth. He says, Brother Branham, I've looked in the scripture. And I've been expecting that there must be a gift of this nature. So, Brother Bosworth searched in the scripture and knew that something must happen. Looked around and did not speculate. But when Brother Branham came and started with his ministry, the effect of Brother Branham's ministry made Brother Bosworth to go back and say, could this be the fulfillment of what was spoken about in the past? I hope you are with me here. That's why I say everything that Brother Branham said, it will, be, it will happen. There's a building in California, I've spoken to you about it, where Brother Branham said to Billy Paul, where are you standing? He says, I'm downtown California. He says, tell me exactly the spot where you are standing. And Brother Billy Paul says, no, I'm standing there is a building. You remember the name of the building? There's a building that he mentions. says, I'm right in front of the building. And Brother Bram says, you won't be an old man till the sharks will swim into that building. Yeah. That building, it was meant to have been demolished a year ago because they wanted to develop a mall because these days everything, wherever people see a piece of land, they think of a mall. So they wanted a mall. And they had approved that the mall must take place, the building must be demolished. But while they had approved, there was just a certain group that rose up and went to court and said, not that building, that building 
is part of the heritage. It must never be demolished. It was more like David taking Goliath in the court. This group won. And the building was preserved. I say it was not the skill of the attorney in that court that debated and outwitted his fellow lawyers. It was because behind that building, there is a man of God that says the sharks will swim through that building. And as long as the sharks have not swum into that building, that building shall stand. hope you are with me. Amen. Now, let's come to something here. There is a difference between to predict and to prophesy. Prediction is not a prophecy. A prophecy is not a prediction. What is the difference? The difference is that prediction, you speak about an event or action that will happen in the future, especially as a result of knowledge and experience. If I say to a young man that doesn't come to church, it's not serious about the word of God, and I say, this man will not end far. He's going to mess up his life. That's not a prophecy. That's a prediction. Based on the experience where I've seen other young men, how they behaved and where they ended up. Then I could say, on the basis of this experience and knowledge, this is what's going to happen to this young man. It's not a prophecy. But if I come and say, thou says the Lord, in 2017, on the 3rd of April, this is what is going to happen. I see this happening. This is what's going to happen. That is a prophecy. But it doesn't mean that I'm genuine. It must be written down. And we wait for the prophecy to happen. If it happens, we come back and say, Brother Madiba, that is the gift of prophecy that you have. Hallelujah. And if it does not happen, we are not going to gossip about you in the, some office and say, that brother is hallucinating. We'll come to you and say, be careful. What you have spoken has not materialized. It was not from God, my brother. But let's keep on on the journey. And even if it happens and it's fulfilled, you are not going to hold us at ransom as a church every time you speak. We think we've got a little prophet in church. Anything that we say, we will document it. If it happens, we say, glory to God. If it doesn't happen, we say, brother, a miss. Are you here, believers? Are you here this evening? Because I've seen, I've operated in this. There's a sister that came here the other time in my office and told me something that I didn't know that was going to happen and say, pastor, don't excommunicate me. Actually, this, this is what I think will happen. And I'm, I was writing there, I was writing there. And I, once I finished writing, not long down the line, it happened exactly. And I say, praise be to God, you were used by, by God, my sister. Now, 
a human element came. No, she feels pressure that the pastor sees that I see things. Now, she comes again and says, Pastor, another one. I wrote it, I wrote it, I wrote it. It missed her. Say, Sister, it was not from God. The devil is wanting to mislead you. And she was offended. She was offended. Because she thought if it happened first time, then I must come to the church and give a special place and say, if you've got a matter, no. A gift of prophecy is subject to the elders. But a dispensational prophet is not subject to the elders. He says, thou says the Lord, not negotiating, and it's thou says the Lord. Are we together? I'm beginning to see in the message where we are confusing the gift of prophecy and the dispensational prophet. And we are accorded a certain respect to people that possess a gift of prophecy. A gift of prophecy sometimes can never be eternal. It may be something that God anoints you to see and speak and it leaves you. That's why it must always be under the subjection where we review it. <laughs> Hallelujah. While I'm on that with the gift of prophets, even as, as pastors, there is, a, there is a disparation amongst ministers to look like they are glued up to current events where they can be able to tell you this is what's going to happen. And I've realized the more people stay in the ministry, humility escapes them. Amen. To such an extent that if you phone me and say, Pastor, what do you think about this and that? A lot of pastors can hardly say, my brother, I don't know anything about it. Let's wait upon the Lord. Let's see what God will do. No, immediately they become the dispense answers. Are you here, church? Are you here? When Condoleezza arise and Hillary Clinton were on the political stage, I heard a minister say, one of them is going to be a president, preaching in a message church. And they were clapping hands, and he was showing to the final details how this one, he thinks this one will be that one, breaking it by the scriptures. Boom! Condoleezza Rice never became a president. Did he come back to the church and say, it was a miss? No. Carried on as if nothing happened. And that's why I've got a problem with you, message believers. You've got short memory, and you don't hold people to account. As I'm preaching to you, you've got a standard where you need to hold me accountable and say, Brother Madiba, okay, you spoke about it, but it didn't happen. I told a brother, say, I've preached many messages. I've never even recalled one message. Recalled meaning where I regretted and recalled the message. You know why? Because everything that I want to preach here, I always check whether the prophet spoke to you about it. If he hasn't spoken about it, I keep quiet. And it has saved me from a lot of heartaches and headaches. And as a result, my integrity is intact. The danger today, ministers are becoming too creative. And creativity operates on a human realm. But we have had a prophet. And we can go and extract from what the prophet has spoken and give to the church. Everything that had to be spoken has already been spoken. Are you here, church? 
That's why I say, oh, the pastors that said Hillary Clinton is going to be a president. Sunday, they must stand behind the pulpit and say, church, we are very sorry. We thought it would be, it was never be. I apologize. If they continue without apologizing, they are not genuine. There is a wrong spirit upon them. See, some of you are being shocked. I'll shock you even further. Was we, did William Brenham ever say Hillary Clinton is going to be a president? Amen. When you attempt to make the message true, when it is already true, you bring reproach on the message. If God has not spoken about it, If people accuse you that you are not deep, it's fine. Many have lost themselves in their deepness. Are we still together? Let us for a few minutes dissect this thing of a woman rising out of America. The prophet spoke it. I believe it. But I don't believe human narratives behind the prophets. Brother Branham says in this message God's covenant with Abraham paragraph 44 I didn't mean that to do any harm women. I don't mean you Christian women. Just to see women coming into politics and everything it's a disgrace. It's a breaking of the American morale. He says I better leave it alone. But just remember this. I predict that a woman will be president before we are annihilated. I predict that a woman will be a president before we are annihilated. A woman presidency is a prediction based on this quote. Let's get another quote. Teaching on Moses, paragraph 22. I predicted that women would keep demoralizing and the nation would keep falling. And they would keep hanging to mother or like mother like that. Till they become, a woman becomes an idol. And after a while that America would be ruled by a woman. Mark it and see if it's not right. A woman will take the president uh, the place of a president or something of great or some high power in America. A woman will be in presidency. Prediction. But a woman will come into some type of power, not prediction. Prophecy. Presidency, prediction. A woman coming into power, prophecy. Jehovah Jireh. I saw in 1933 how cars would look before the coming of the Lord. The Lord, they are preaching there in that shape. Have you seen egg-shaped cars moving around, driverless, even a Google car? You remember I prophesied this. Cars prophesied. Not a predicted. I prophesied. You mark it in your books. 
America is a woman's nation. That's the reality. A woman will rise up soon in America and become a great person like a president or somewhere before the coming of the Lord. Just remember that I've said that. And cars will become more like an egg shape just before the total annihilation. When he speaks about a woman coming to power, it's a prophecy. He's sure about it. It's thou says the Lord. But what type of power he predicts and say it might be like a president or some sort of power. Are we together? In the message, the revelation of Jesus Christ, or rather in the message by faith, Moses, a great woman will rise up and be present or something like that in the nation. Then there will come a total annihilation. The entire nation will be wiped out. I predict. Hallelujah. In Revelation of Jesus Christ, look at the prophecy the Lord gave me in 1933, how it would happen. They would permit women to vote. In voting, they would elect the wrong person. Seven things, you remember, they elected the wrong person. It was J.F. Kennedy who had an anointing of Ahab. You remember how he became popular with women? That spirit that was on Ahab, it moved to Bill Clinton. Hallelujah. It moved from Bill Clinton. It came to Barack Obama. Don't pretend like you are here. They are loved by women. They are charismatic. Are you still with me? The next thing, it says, the next thing was a great woman, a church, a power, or something that would take over this United States to rule it. Now he is bringing a church into the picture. Are you still with me? Then the sixth vision arose. There arose up in America a beautiful but cruel woman. Hallelujah. I don't know. Somebody once somebody says Hillary Clinton. Is cruel but not beautiful, so it can't be her. <laughs> but this most beautiful but cruel woman, she held the people in her complete power. I believe that this was the rise of Roman Catholic Church. Is that a president or some type of power? He moves to a woman. He moves to a church. He names a church. Are you still with me? Let me get an extract from the news for you. Exit polls also indicated that Trump swung the Catholic vote back to GOP by a 52% to a 45% margin. After a majority of Catholics sided with Obama in the previous two elections, Catholic made Obama to come into power. Catholic made Obama to come into power again. Catholic made Trump to come into power. Who is in power? A woman, a church, Roman Catholic. Not Hillary Clinton. 
No one can be a president of America without a Catholic vote. I'm not expecting a woman to come into power. I'm here to tell you, a woman is already in power in America. And that woman is a church. She is beautiful. She's got gold. But she's cruel. Because she's Revelation chapter 17 fulfilled. Is this not already in your books? Is this not already in your spoken word? Why are you waiting for somebody to sound like a genius? Guinness Book of Records of 1996 breaks down the death of America. I'm still looking for that book. Whoever finds it, I once had it, I lost it. If you find it, please bring it to me. I really don't need it. It broke down the death of America and said, America owes Rome a lot of money. And we know Rome and Italy. Rome is a country within a country. And within Rome is a church. So if that book says America owes Rome this amount of money, it tells you that it owes Catholic. For one to be an American president, you've got to appeal to the Catholics. They are responsible to bring you into power. Trump, not long. He has got to go to Vatican City. It has been a trend and it will never change. So who is in power? Roman Catholic. So I can say, this is that. That was spoken by William Brenham. But I must know the details of the prophecy and mirror the current event to what has already been spoken without being creative. The problem today, the Holy Ghost is not preaching behind the pulpit. Google is preaching through pastors behind the pulpit. And as I often say, in the beginning was not Google. It was the Word. And Google was not with God. The Word was with God. And Google was not God. God. The Word was God. And Google never became flesh. The Word became flesh. Let us move away from the tree of knowledge and come back to the tree of life, which is the revealed Word of the hour. It will never miss at all times. And folks, Paul, Paul says, let no one rob you of the simplicity that is in Christ. The gospel is so simple. That's why Brother Bram, before he preaches the seals, he says, God in simplicity. Preparing them that it will be so humble. But people always expect something spectacular. Be a simple church. Be a simple believer. And stay with what the prophet said. You will never apologize. And folks, when new doctrine comes, they really put pressure. I was a young man around the age of, I think it was around about the year 2001. 2000, 2001 a new doctrine broke out in Pretoria. Maybe, bro, just 
I don't know whether you'll search it for me on on the Bible is Jaisha. If I can check how it is spelled, maybe just put this keyword written. You'll bear with me. I, I'm going to close. But it's very critical that I bring this forth. Jaisha. But maybe put this keyword written. Written book and go around Joshua when Joshua stopped the sun. That book is mentioned two times in the Bible. It is not written in the book of Joshua. I think in another scripture written, it's mentioned in the book of Chronicles. Just punch it so that, or if you don't get it, I'll just quote it. It says, it is not written in the book of Joshua. And then it mentions what happened. And now, people went to look for the book of Jesha and found it. And came back, read the Bible, read the book of Jesha, and they said the book of Jesha, it was a detailed account of the Bible because the Bible says, had everything been written, there were going to be volumes and volumes. So this one, it's sort of the Bible is a study guide of that one. The book of Jesha mentions some very funny things, some ridiculous things that happened in Egypt. It actually said Job was in Egypt, and the message people ran with it. And whenever they met you, they say, book, bro, have you read in the book of Jesha to make you feel inferior? But as I'm speaking, book of Jesha, we don't know what happened to it. Those people, did they apologize? They just moved on like nothing happened. Because people always look for new things. And I was shocked to, to see a denominational minister taking the book of Jesha and King James Version, comparing them and saying the book of Jesha couldn't stand to the word test. And I say, how did message people miss it? The problem is that in the message we've got camps and we want to outcompete, outwit one another and say, brother, have you heard? And we... We've got new revelations. We are going deeper and deeper. As I say, you lose yourself in deeper deepness. Be simple, believer. Stay with what the prophet said. Listen to the tapes. Pray and move forward. Brother Brenham, they asked him, what must we do to go into the rapture? Say, just be ordinary. Make sure you are filled with the Holy Ghost. It's simple. I hope you are with me. This Bible stood for over thousands of years. God has never upgraded it. There isn't Bill Gates comes with Windows 98, Windows 2000, Windows 2005. He simply says, I did not get it in 1998. I almost got it right in 2000. I'm trying in 2005. I'm trying in 2010. That's why there's upgrade. No upgrade. No upgrade needed. Then I can say, heavens and earth shall pass away. But this way it shall never pass away. Make sure that your dest eternal destination relies on this way. You will reach your destination. God bless you richly.
has a simple worshiping song. Amen. I've recommended four messages to be read. What were they, church? Oh, brother, uh, what says it was rapture, correct? Come again. Who is this Melchizedek, correct? Come again. Come again. Leadership, correct. Things that are to be correct. I never said revelation of Jesus Christ. It is rapture. Who is this Melchizedek? Leadership. The very last one that he preached before he could pass off the scene in 1965. And things that are to be. And I added modern day modern day, modern events made clear by prophecy. I want to add the sixth one. Souls that are in prison. Please, read those spoken words. You know why I'm saying that? One day I'll call you and say, Friday we're going to meet here as a church. We'll sit down, have coffee, let's fellowship. Don't look clueless on that night. Amen. I want to encourage the church to read. How many believe that fellowship sharpens you? Amen. So read. One day we'll say Friday. We'll not have Wednesday service. We'll say Wednesday service. No, we meet on Friday, 7 o'clock or 6 o'clock. We sit here. We have a certain book and we talk about what blessed you there. It's just a fellowship. Looks like it only excites you, brother. Watch. Amen. God bless you for being excited. What about the rest of you folks? Right. Give us a worshiping song. Rain King Jesus. Rain King Jesus. I think our elder here, Brother Chetty, will just come and wrap up in prayer for us.
That's our desire, Lord. Lord, to reign within our hearts, Father. Lord, to take the reins of our hearts, O God. Lord, for you to lead us, O God. And Father, totally, Lord, just take over, Lord, our entire lives, Father God. Father, Lord, and that you have done even this night, O God. You have waved at us, O God. You have called, dear Lord, your little bride, Father, Lord. Come out of her, my people, dear Lord Jesus. Lord, you spoke, Father, Lord, to a a church's whole, Father God. But, Lord, you're calling us, Father, out from our fleshly ways and our walks of life. Father, calling us up, Lord, from our unbelief, dear Lord. Always, Lord, hear your prophet pray and say, Lord, forgive my unbelief, dear Lord Jesus. And, oh, God, you have permitted us and allotted us, Father, to break through the unbelief, Father, of this hour, dear God, and come into the house of God, Father. And, Lord, how the Bible says, Lord, the the violent take it by force, Father. And we have accomplished, Father God. We have heard, dear Lord, the Spirit and the anointing. Lord, and even the bride say, come, dear Lord Jesus. And we respond to your call, Father God, Lord. And dear God, Lord, just may you continue, dear God. Lord, just water our hearts, oh God, Lord, with that Shekinah glory, dear Lord Jesus. Lord, that you were so kind unto us, Father, that you could even recite our thoughts, Father. So perfect, Father God, that it makes it known unto us. Lord, and gives us a faith, Father, this night, O God, that, Lord, it is more than real, Father God. It is the hour, dear Lord Jesus, that you're making yourself known in plain view, dear God, as you made yourself known to Esther, Father God, in the secret chambers, dear Lord Jesus. She knew the secret parts of you, dear Lord Jesus. She could be pulled in a dimension, Father no one could be pulled into father god and for that dear lord jesus we just want to say father we love you dear god yes, for that we want to say father we worship you yes. for that we want to say dear god we honor you dear lord and the songs that we have sung father god we we express it from our hearts father lord and lord just make it more real to us father as we face another day lord in lady osea dear god as we may depart each one of us dear lord jesus lord made us anointing father god never depart dear lord jesus lord we might feel down oh god might get caught up lord with the atmosphere of the world father but lord may the gene seed of god inside our souls father always have father god lord father god a desire to serve you and walk father upright as christians in this hour dear lord fulfilling dear lord jesus your perfect word father that they could even say this is that that was spoken by that prophet this is that that was spoken by the word of god children of god manifested children of god made flesh lord fulfilling the words of an anointed prophet in this hour dear lord quickened by a bible dear lord that's not upgraded father lord help us lord be merciful to us father this night forgive our faults forgive our failures dear lord jesus As we come under such a tremendous anointing, Father, we realize we need more, Father. 
we realize how little that we are even in your presence, dear God. Help us, dear Lord Jesus. Father, have mercy upon every soul, dear God. Remember the heart's cry. Remember, Lord, the request, Father. Remember the desires of your saints, Father. Bless us and be with us, O God. Save traveling mercies, dear Lord, to each and every one of them, dear Lord Jesus. Thank you for bringing your shepherd safe as well, dear God. Back into the house of God, Father. And anointing him, dear Lord God, to speak the oracles and the mercies of God to us. We appreciate you, dear God. Help us to appreciate, Father. Help us to open our eyes in this last hour, Father. Help us to be sensitive, dear Lord Jesus. The hour is late, O God. Be with us, Father. We love you. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. I like it in the prayer, Brother Chidi says. Amen. I'm used to calling people by same names. Amen. That's how I'm used. Hallelujah. I like how he says. God help us to appreciate. How many say, God help us to appreciate your message, to appreciate the word. There's something that appreciation does. Have you ever seen a new father holding a baby? You see in the face, the face, the countenance changes. He's happy because how he appreciates what he has. The mother, after giving birth while she's in pain, and the midwife brings the baby to the mother, the, the joy just makes it to transcend beyond pain. Have you seen young people when they come to the altar to be married? When they exchange vows, you see even their eyes are glittering because of appreciation. But at some point in time, we begin to take one another for granted and appreciation drops. Same spiritually speaking, many of you when you came, you appreciated the message. Just, to, just the mention of the prophet, just the sound of his voice, it just brought joy to you. And I say if you have lost the joy of your salvation, may you say, God, help me. Restore the joy of my salvation. Let me appreciate. On Sunday, I went to preach to, it's a new church. They just recently came into the message. The majority were Pentecostals, came into the message as a church. And they ordained a pastor there. I haven't enjoyed myself. No offense to many places where I preach. I haven't enjoyed myself the way I enjoyed myself on Sunday. Because these people, things that people are used to hearing, they hear them, you, you, see, you see their hearts bubbling with joy, the excitement, and I say, may God preserve your joy for him. May God preserve the appreciation that you have for the message. And if you have lost it, may it be restored, my brother. If you have lost it, may it be restored, my sister. May your heart burn with the joy of the Lord. Where you read a spoken word, you can't wait to finish it. And once you have finished it, you can't wait to get another one. Because why? Your, your soul is thirsting more of God. Like a deer panting for water. That's how your soul is. May God restore us. 
That should be our desire as we go home. God bless you richly. I think Sister Lorraine is coordinating something with the sisters to help with the Malaga family. And Brother Suis is coordinating something from the music side just to give the old man a decent fair send off. Amen. God bless you richly. And then till we meet, just give us a, a nice jubilant song. God bless you richly. Amen. Seem Hallelujah. Isn't it beautiful for a song to be sung by somebody who was in an isolated room in ICU to come and sing? We have disappointed you, David. Amen. Come with it. God bless you, Rich. Seem Hallelujah. 